The views and opinions expressed on WXOJLP are solely those of the original hosts of their respective programs. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Valley Free Radio Incorporated, its volunteers, or any other hosts, guests, or programs on this station. Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. WXOJLP, 103.3 FM, out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm host Michael Dow, doing the show tonight with my good friend John Roberts and a couple of special guests. Uh, Sue, sorry you're not feeling well. Uh, Hope it's not COVID. Get better soon. (laughs) Um, And our guests tonight are, uh, well, we've got two of them. Uh, Bill Newman and Danny Torres, uh, uh, co-host and producer, respectively, of the show Talk the Talk on a fellow local station, WHMP. Uh, Mr. Newman uh, is a columnist also for the Daily Hampshire Gazette. He's written two books, uh, When the War Came Home and Life on the Co-op Plan. I'm sure available at any fine bookstore in the area. Um, And he's also been practicing law here in Northampton for 47 years, which is almost as old as I am. Um, And Danny, of course, uh, well, he's co-host of the Panorama show on HMP, on Saturday mornings, he's also local podcaster. You were doing a show for a long time called Collateral Banter. And um, longtime listeners may recall that he's joined us once or twice, most notably on primary night back in 2020. That was a, a wild one, huh? Just, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was a lot of fun, but also just like that, oh, Biden, really? Yeah. And that feeling has not gone away for me. I don't know. Danny, you're, you're, you're one over, right? You're, you're, you're riding with Biden all the way, right? Ooh, we're going to start there. Um... <laughs> I, 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 that's going to be a long conversation. Would you, like, I, you want to start there? I well, mean, um, we have a, an, an attorney who knows a, you've got at least a little experience with civil liberties. Uh, is this a good time for him to take the fifth? <laughs> Dan, you have the right to remain silent. Everything you say can and most assuredly at this station will be used against you. You have the right to an attorney, and I'm sitting right here in case that's helpful. That is very helpful, actually. Thank you very much. And here's, here's, one, here's one that our host should know. You have the right to stop the questioning at any time. Here's my answer to you. I, I wish Joe Biden had made the decision not to run and allow the Democrats to choose another candidate. I believe that any other candidate besides Joe Biden would have a better chance at beating Donald Trump. Uh, Especially I if, right now. I don't know if any other candidate. Almost I, any other candidate. But yeah. I don't I, know if Marion Williamson had would really yeah. bring everybody Any together. other Democratic candidate who is governor or a senator who's maybe under... Sorry, this is a bit ageist, but under 75 or 80. Oh, so wait, so you're saying we shouldn't draft Michael Dukakis to make a comeback? Uh, So you haven't heard like the last three years of what I've been saying, (laughs) ageist. Oh, I'm sorry. Get. You want me to go? No, no. No. I just think the, the. Under 70, please. Oh, okay. So I under have been 60. hearing. I said I said under seventy five. No, I mean, I'm saying like under seventy, under sixty. <laughs> Here's the issue. If I had uh, just a suggestion to the Democrats, the candidate has to know how to use social media well. And if they don't know how to use social media in today's oh. age, it's like somebody running for president who doesn't know how to communicate on television or on radio when those were the means of communication. Yeah. Bill Newman. Yeah, I, I, I'd just like to take about a half a minute to tell you a story 
please. about what happened when I was up in New Hampshire uh, going door to door on behalf of the Democratic ticket uh, back when Hillary Clinton was the nominee. 2016? Yep. And I was up I, there, too. And I times. had been up there for the primary, and I was going door to door, and I'm talking to this person. This man must have been in his 30s. Mm. And he said, well, I had voted for Bernie mm -hmm. in the primary. And I said, oh, good, finally, a nice, easy door to have a conversation with, with the person who answered it. Mm -hmm. And I said, because I said, well, so did I. That's great. And uh, so uh, can I, how should I mark you down for the, how are you going to vote in this election? He said, oh, I'm voting for Trump. And I said, uh uh, uh, that's what I did say. I went a lot yeah. of uh, 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 for a while, what? Yeah. but but I was I remember this conversation because it was so interesting to me because the reasons he was attracted to Bernie were the same reasons he was attracted to Trump. Now he was going to mess he, things up. Well, yeah. he was willing to take on the establishment. He was willing to say all sorts of things to the establishment that we can't say on the air, mm. and th that was really attractive. Mm -hmm. And and this right versus left, uh, democratic socialist versus whatever Trump was uh, being described as shameless opportunist who was willing to say anything. That's one way. That's a good description. <laughs> but this right versus left was not mm -hmm. what was critical to this voter. And what was critical is, I think, a lot of things that are getting a lot of publicity and airtime now, which is how does the candidate make me feel? Does he speak for people like me? Um, and. For this person, Bernie and Trump did that. Mm. And I thought that was fascinating. I think it's fascinating. I certainly encountered people like that from time to time. Um, <clears throat> I also had an interesting conversation with another door knocker who was uh, couldn't actually vote because he was born and raised uh, in Liberia. But uh, he'd come over here because he cared about him. You know, he was living here and he cared about democracy and whatnot. And he said, I've seen a country in civil war, uh, you know, Voting for Mr. Trump, if he wins, I, I feel like I, I'm worried we're going to go that route. And <clears throat> turns out he was right. Um, <laughs> or at least we've had we've had a coup attempt. So that's new. Um, but the the thing that struck that really surprised me was I, I, I didn't realize that people were attracted to Bernie Sanders for think for reasons that were completely the opposite of the reasons why I was attracted to him. Like, you know, I'm. I'm I'm from the country club waspocracy, you know. <laughs> like, I went to prep school for gosh sakes. You know? Where'd you go? I went to uh, uh, Phillips Academy. To where? Phil uh, Andover. Andover. Phil okay. Yeah, yeah. Phillips Andover. Yeah. It's Phillips Academy. Phillips, Phillips Exeter Ac is Phillips Exeter. Oh, I see. <laughs> this is yeah, yeah, Andover. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, it's quite all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like I literally like my family belonged to a country club that was founded by my great grandfather. Kind wow. of thing. You know, I mean, it's a podunky little country club, but still, you know, family connections and all that. And I let the family down by not going to Harvard, unlike three generations before me and so forth. That's uh, great. Where'd you go to college? Uh, Kenyon. It's a little oh. preppy breeding ground out in Ohio. Lovely place. but Lovely, yeah. lovely liberal arts college. I, 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 I was very happy to be there, but, you know. Anyway, so that that is absolutely who I am. You know, I, I, I just, it, I got to own it. But the, the thing is, like, like. I don't know, somewhere along the way, and I, I, I blame my mother for this, I picked up the idea that, like, oh, my God, I've really had it easy compared to a lot of people. Wow, other people seem to be working a lot harder than me, running harder and harder just to stand still. we got to fix this because that's, 
That's not right. I don't deserve to be living easy while other people are dying. That's awful. And, you know, so I'm like, oh, my God, Bernie's talking. The, you know, that's the kind of stuff Bernie's talking about. So I figured, like, that's why people are voting for Bernie, because they don't want to see that happen any more than I do. And it's like, eh, no. Turns out a fair number of people just like the idea that Bernie was going to break stuff and upset, you know, the, the, the people in charge. But, you know, Trump would do, too. No, I think it's a little different than that. I think Bernie's saying, you, as working people in America, are getting the short end of the stick. You Mm -hmm. are not being paid attention to. You are being manipulated by the corporations and by these professionals, and we can change that. And people said yes to that. I certainly did. But for the manipulation of the Democratic National Committee, Bernie might well have beaten Hillary in the primaries. Maybe. I mean... I was actually just having this conversation today with a with a friend of mine, just you know, like yeah, uh, Hillary absolutely did have a uh, have a thumb on the scale, and uh, a lot of control over things. And there were all the super delegates too, but um, she did still get three million seven hundred thousand more votes than he did in the actual primaries. I mean, you know, voters like especially the the core demographic of uh, black voters did not go. Not go with Bernie. Nope. He, yeah, he did not. He did not do well with and, and I, of color. I and I think it's the same reason why uh, they went for for Biden in uh, 2020. I think they're just like, we need somebody that enough white people will feel OK about voting for. I oh. think it was that simple. Although the, what you're saying right now about Bernie applies in 2016. Mm-hmm. Bernie made significant improvements. He did. Among non-white people in 2020. He did. He won Nevada when most of the media freaked out and thought that was impossible yeah. because Nevada is heavily union, a lot of Latino, yeah. a lot of first-generation um, immigrants from Latin America, and he was able to start crossing that divide. Yeah, absolutely. So, but he's, he got shelled in South Carolina both times. Yep. So, and I think that's a real shame. Um, so uh, but yeah. one thing that... Uh, one thing that really crossed over for me with Bernie from 2016, one... It really seemed like like his whole campaign seemed like it was a, a way to shake things up. Mm. Like he wasn't really targeting the the White House. He wanted to make he wanted to push everybody else to the to the left, which I totally respect. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the problem is that in 2016 he had some issues talking to minority voters, of which I am one, mm. and it really was not great it was very tone deaf and in some some ways i forget the the specific examples but he did he did improve in 2020 uh but that that still affected uh like my my feeling about bernie in 2020 and as well as 2016 when he was going forward in 2016 and he and everybody's like wait he's actually going for he can actually go for it then it was really it was really like this weird thing. Like he, I knew he, it, like he, his announcement was just on a lawn. Yeah. Like in front of the Capitol or something. There are like five people there. So I was like, okay, so he's running for that. Now he's trying for it, but can he do it? Does he have the ground game to do it? And so does, does that make sense? Like yeah. that confusion? I, I, go ahead. You know? I, I was just going to say that Bernie's introduction to politics as a New York lefty, which is what he was. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
was very much steeped in the labor movement. Yeah. It was class-based. Yes. For mm. Bernie, the civil rights movement was about class first. Race, obviously a part of that, but that wasn't the driving uh, ideological piece of Bernie Sanders. It was, how are these rich people sticking it to everybody else, and we will <laughs> all rise together. And I think he did find the involvement of people of color in the campaign to be a learning experience, but it cost him, particularly when he got to South Carolina, yes. yeah. Where, yeah, it did. Where, where the Clintons were part of the family, yeah. mm -hmm. and he wasn't. Yeah, He should have walked across the bridge. Everybody else did. The Democrats were all there, Pettus Bridge, um, as, you know, it's kind of one of those pivotal moments in U.S. history. I think that happened in 2020, and said he was campaigning. And the mainstream media did take him on about that and saying, where was Bernie? He was campaigning while everybody else was paying their respects to right. walking across that bridge and the importance and the symbolism behind that. Mm. Um, look, I'm not, I, I think part of is what Bill Newman is saying. I also think it's the fact he's, he's grown up most of his political life in Vermont yeah. and where a lot of the issues there in that place, because, because Vermont is not a very diverse state. Yeah. It's also not a very urban state, and I think that plays a role of it not being very diverse. It's not. It's very rural. Yeah, yeah. It's America, you know. Yeah. And New Hampshire and Maine as well, but Vermont not diverse. Yeah, this is not the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. and you're I, right. He's, he's very class based. Like I, I remember, like reading about his history and uh, where he, like what he did, like growing in politics, where he, where he would, he was state, like um, everything that he was doing, and it was very class based. It was very like, like you said what is going on why is this happening this is dumb you know like all this all these people have so much power and we don't that should change you know and that and that's and that all made a lot of sense it's um it's it's too bad that he it it just it just seemed like he didn't start off like really going for the gold and i think that really hampered him in 2016 and then in 2020 that like he had more and he was communicating more but then this that was after like four years of trump and everybody was freaked out yeah during like, covid during covid mm -hmm. and everybody was freaked out because they didn't want to trump again so that there's this like boring white guy that's over here that uh you know the democrats keep trying for the middle and then <laughs> you know um, and they found it. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, 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 they did. Well, the elites of the Democratic Party, if I remember correctly, they united behind one candidate, and that was Joe Biden after his win in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And by uniting against, uh, uniting behind one candidate, it's a lot easier to defeat somebody like a Bernie Sanders. And it's the same sure. thing I think the Republicans are trying to do right now in 2024 with uh, uniting either behind Nikki Haley. Um, who would probably defeat Joe Biden in, in a national election easily, um, or even Ron DeSantis, who I believe will very likely defeat Joe Biden if he were to win a nomination. Sorry. Mm. I, I, no, probably. I, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. And I just think a lot of it is his youth um, plays a role into it, and the fact that um, he, um, he can play a little bit of the Trump populist card and I think he's trying to find a middle ground between elite establishment and Trump populist rage on the right. Well, and the fact that he's an embarrassing, goofy looking idiot is not really a, a, a disqualifier. 
I, yeah. I should have learned this lesson when I was a little kid because like I, one of my earliest memories is seeing Richard Nixon on television and just wondering, like, what is wrong with that man? Like, that grown-up seems weird. There's something off about him. Was it the sweat? Might have been. I don't remember. I just, like, it was the first time I'd ever had this experience of, like, I don't trust that grown-up. What, what's wrong with that grown-up? That was new for me at age of three. Well, know? when Richard Nixon debated JFK on television, mm-hmm. yeah. people who heard on the radio supported what Nixon said over People who Kennedy, saw that on TV. But people who saw it like, on TV yeah. thought Kennedy was better. I've heard that, too. Yeah. I, I, yeah. One, one of the uh, sidebars of the Nixon-Kennedy debates mm-hmm. was that Nixon and Kennedy were both in the makeup room before going on television. Uh-huh. And the makeup person came to Kennedy and said, uh, would you like the, the powder and the this and the that? And Kennedy said, no, 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 I don't, I don't need anything like that. And they went over to Nixon and said, well, would you like this, uh, uh, Mr. Vice President? He said, oh, he's, he's not doing it. No, 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 not for me. Nixon left the room and Kennedy said, come back on here. Let's have the, let's have the makeup. Yeah. Because he understood, oh. he understood television. Wow. Yeah. And Nixon didn't. <laughs> That's awesome. You know what? That goes back to what It's the same reason why saying. Sylvester Stallone did uh, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. <laughs> he thought Schwarzenegger was going to do it, so he jumped on it. <laughs> okay. Um, it's like what you guys were saying with social media. Mm. Uh, uh, Nixon didn't understand television yeah. like a lot of people in co- in Congress. A lot of people in Congress... Like even younger people don't understand social media, yeah. uh, and mm. since they don't, they're getting like screwed online, which is now the television. Like exactly. television, and this is something I, I I like talking about. Television viewership is down uh, across the board um, because of various things, streaming and and cable and uh, just you like uh, videos online, YouTube, TikTok, things like that. Mm-hmm. So all these ad buys for tv you're not reaching like half the people that you that you need especially like the younger people that you need which that goes into something me and me and mike were talking about before but i the mics i don't want to like like peak the mics because i'm being too loud so i'll just (laughs) barack obama i think is the one of the best examples to understand that in his 2008 bid he knew how to harness the power of the internet. And if we remember back then, that was 2008. And he understood it and how important it was. And um, I think he used it really well. Of course, he could also, I think, give some of the best speeches um, in any generation. I mean, maybe Bill Clinton's up there, but he doesn't even get close to uh, Barack Obama's ability to speak um, in, in front of an audience, in my view. Yeah, I think speak in front of an audience and significantly for our purposes, being able to speak in cadences that lend themselves to sound bites. Mm, I saw yes. Kamala Harris on television uh, on MSNBC, Lawrence O'Donnell's show, mm-hmm. the other night, and he ended with her. You know, he has this segment called The Last Word. And yep. he said, well, leave the last word with the vice president. And I was expecting something really articulate, really powerful, yeah. something that really felt and felt emotionally like it resonated. And after she was through speaking for about two minutes, I said, what a terrible candidate. 
just yeah. she, exhausting. She, she just doesn't reach. She doesn't reach me, and I don't think she reaches most people. And you talk. We talk about uh, presidential, vice presidential candidates of color, and I think Barack Obama, in terms of being kind of Kennedy-esque uh, for his time and place, to have that ability to speak in a way that really resonates inside you, mm-hmm. Obama could do that. Um, yeah. Uh, Biden doesn't do that. No. Harris doesn't do that. No. Um, I, Trump, for some people, does that. Inarticulate as he is, idiotic as the things he says, incoherent as his sentence structure <laughs> tends yeah. to be. He nonetheless <laughs> says to people and resonates, his words resonate within them, I speak for you. We hate the same people. Yeah, and that's really important. You know, there was there's this really uh, cool uh, video um about about how Trump and about how Bernie speak, uh, just the way that they communicate, the the word choice and where they put their emphasis and how those those qualities like lend to uh, people getting like really interested. Like uh, Trump doesn't use uh, words that have more than three syllables. Uh, he he has like a lot of exclamation points and striking things at the end of his sentences, and that really gets people in. It has this he has this drumbeat, like of how he speaks, and uh, our president and vice president don't have no. like a style of speaking that really lends itself to bringing like leaning people leaning in. Like they're they're exhausting to listen to both. Of them. Right, which is one of the I think yeah. bad raps that Biden gets. See how old he is. Look at how he speaks. See what a terrible candidate is. See, he's, he's old. He's, and the answer to which has always been like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This he's is, been old th- since he's been twenty. There, there's a reason why I think he. <laughs> yeah, um, I think there's a reason why you know he was stealing the stump speech of Neil Kinnock, you know, back thirty years ago. 40 years ago, uh, 30 anyways, yeah. Um, you know, who was a, a, a Welsh Labour Party uh, politician, ran head of the Labour Party for a while in the UK, um, who, you know, failed to beat Margaret Thatcher, but certainly had real charisma, uh, which amazed me, because at first I thought, who's this guy? I was I was in England in 1990. I was at university for a year, and I thought, who's this Kinnick guy? And I was like, oh, all right, he's interesting, actually, you know. Too bad he can't beat Thatcher, but, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I think some candidates are in tune with the zeitgeist of the era and it's tough to decide what the zeitgeist is. And I think we can debate what that is. But I think Trump uh, understood uh, what Bernie tapped into the left. And I think he created what he thinks is a counter to that is, um, I am against the system that has oppressed you. And so he's really used that sort of anti-establishment fervor and captured it on the right. It's the only thing to me that makes sense when you see how much support he gets despite attacking attacking everything conservatives have always defended throughout my entire life. But he gets away with it. And I think it's because a lot of people feel an anger towards the establishment and the elites. I I think cons- the the conservative movement uh, at its core is about <clears throat> grievance and 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 anger like like sort of a fear and 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 uh, keeping the stuff you don't like at, at, at a distance and um, 
all of that, all of the things they, 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 they talk about and claim they valued uh, sound good. But in the end, I think they were, uh, they were sort of signifiers and, and, and distractions and sort of covers. Like um, the political rhetoric of, you know, we believe, I believe in the right of the citizen and one person, one vote and all Americans are created equal and, you know, we should have a representative democracy and so forth. Uh, all of these values, we can give lip service to them. Um, the like, uh, like I can talk about these things and I care about, I actually do want, you know, uh, uh, some, you know, person with dark skin from Puerto Rico or whatever, or some person who's, uh, moved here from another country and become a citizen. Yeah, I want them to vote. I don't care where they're from. I don't care if they don't speak a lick of English. You know, like if they're a citizen, I think they, you know, they, like they have a right to be heard and 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 ha have a voice in how the country goes, and they deserve to be represented by their politicians and participate in the life of the country. You know, whatever. Just as much as I do, they're they're a person. Um, and a white supremacist can talk that can use the same kind of rhetoric. And feel comfortable with it so long as the country is overwhelmingly white because you'll get the same results. You'll get white dudes in charge because, well, you know, if most if almost everybody's white, almost all the candidates will be white. So you'll vote for white people and it'll be this sea of whiteness. But as soon as you start to get a, a crack in that edifice like we did in 2008, uh, suddenly you have to start deciding, do I care more about democracy do i find barack obama's message of yes we can and we can make positive change and whatnot inspiring empowering you know this vision of there's not a red america and a blue america there's one america and we can all sort of come together and and muddle it through together as like a team like that sounds great that's one of the reasons i voted for him uh but if you don't actually in the end, really want to share things with people who, you know, don't look like they went to prep school and their dad and granddad and great granddad went to Harvard and so forth. Well, then all of a sudden you sort of go, eh, maybe not, you know, maybe maybe he's actually from Kenya. And boy, this Mr. Trump guy, actually, he kind of makes some sense and yada, yada, yada. I think it's a good way to actually understand Trump's election. Hmm. If you frame Trump's election as a backlash against the people who said, wait a second, what is that black guy doing in the White House? For sure. And Trump, well, you know what? He resents him just as much as I do. Uh -huh. And he's saying and implying all the things that I can't say much as I want to be able to. That's what the, I, mean, mm -hmm. I mean, he really taps in to the underlying racism of America in mm -hmm. a very poignant and disturbing way. And he does it in a way that really, I think, uh, ends up aggregating the underlying current in American politics of fascism, of authoritarianism, of racism. And we want a strong person because the kind of leaders like a Dwight Eisenhower in the 50s would get zero votes today, but Trump, tapping into this reservoir of hatred and ill will and racism that's what has propelled him and it's what still motivates the base and i think mm. gives him that underlying base of 
35, 40% of the electorate as his base of yeah. support. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's one of the one of the hardest one of the bitterest pills for me personally, which, you know, is all I really care about. Um <laughs> uh to, to to swallow in all of this is just realizing that's going to really cut down on the contributions to, to yeah. XOJ, I'm afraid. <laughs> Um, well, and actually, you know what? Let's uh, I'll put a pin in this. We'll come back to it perhaps in the second half. We should uh, uh, take a moment, play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs, perhaps keep the dark powers of the FCC happy. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we'll be back with more civil politics here on Valley Free Radio in just a couple of minutes. Please don't go away. We'll be right back. What's going on? This is Omega Sparks. And this is your boy Swats. And you're listening to Valley Free Radio. WXOJLP 103.3 FM in Northampton, Mass. Keep it locked in. Yeah. Have you heard of the Living Building Challenge? The Hitchcock Center for the Environment in Amherst invites you to explore a revolutionary new kind of building. Generating its own electricity and using only water collected on site from rain, the Hitchcock Center is our region's first public environmental education center, demonstrating the highest standard of sustainable design. Come visit us, the Hitchcock Center, 845 West Street in Amherst. For more information, visit hitchcockcenter.org. I was searching for an answer when I reached out and found Narcotics Anonymous. With the help of recovering addicts, I realized I was not alone. Call Narcotics Anonymous toll-free at 1-866-NA-HELP-YOU or log on at newenglandna.org. Imagine working hard for so many years and reaching your retirement only to find out there's an issue with your pension or 401k. Unfortunately, it's a problem too many Americans face. The New England Pension Assistance Project can help you get the benefits you've earned by providing free legal help. Contact the New England Pension Assistance Project at 888-425-6067 or visit them online at pensionhelp.org slash New England. A public service from the U.S. Administration on Aging's Pension Counseling and Information Program. Would you like to get lawn mowing, dog walking, or French lessons without opening your wallet? Believe it or not, you can, and much, much more. Valley Time Trade members earn time dollars by helping other members. One time dollar is one hour of service. All services are valued the same, and no cash is involved. Give services you want. Get services you need. To learn more or join, go to valleytimetrade.org or call 413-585-0373. Dear Massachusetts, marijuana is now legal for adult use. Keep your kids and pets safe by keeping all cannabis products in child-resistant packaging. Store your cannabis in a lockbox out of sight and out of reach from your children and teach them that cannabis and alcohol are for adults only and that prescription medications are only meant for the person they are prescribed for. Brought to you by the Northampton Prevention Coalition, working together to protect the developing brain. NorthamptonPrevents.org Did you know that when you recycle bottles, cans, and paper, you help the planet and the local economy? Western Mass operates its own materials recycling facility, the Springfield Materials Recycling Facility, or MRF, where recyclables are sorted and prepared for sale to manufacturers. MRF employs local people, and by providing a local delivery site, saves money for local communities. Learn more at springfieldmrf.org. Reduce, reuse, and recycle. 
Take the time to recycle cause we only have one why are those red cups in the bin? The recycling chart says no cups. Because we use a lot of them and they should be recycled. A reminder from the Springfield Materials Recycling Facility. Wishful thinking doesn't make it happen. Learn more about which recyclable materials manufacturers can use and what they can't. Visit springfieldmrf.org. Reduce, reuse, and recycle. Take the time to recycle because we only have one. Hi, my name's Leo, and I use he, him, his pronouns. Hi, my name's AJ, and I use they, them, theirs pronouns. Did you know that sex is your biology and gender is how you identify? You can't assume someone's gender. Based on their clothes. Based on their hair. Based on their voice. Who they hang out with. Who they're attracted to. Ask me my pronouns! Brought to you by the PVPA Student Group for Gender, Sexuality, and Diversity. The Forbes Library staff would like to remind you of the incredible resource that you have in your local public library. We have tens of thousands of books for you to check out, music CDs, movies, newspapers from around the region, the state, and the country. We have a wide variety of magazines and free computer and internet access every day. We also have our incredible reference services there to help you answer particularly vexing problems. All of this is free, locally available at 20 West Street in Northampton, so come by and check us out in person or at www.forbeslibrary.org or call 587-1011 for more information. How long and how hard would you work to own your own home? At Pioneer Valley Habitat for Humanity, future homeowners contribute dozens of hours to build a home for their family, but they need your help. Thousands of community supporters have participated in this work since 1989. They create a partnership with a future homeowner and Habitat to build a home, strengthen our neighborhoods, and create a legacy for our community. Grab a hammer, lend a hand, build a better world. Volunteer and support Pioneer Valley Habitat for Humanity. pvhabitat.org. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. And we are back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still the egotist-in-chief, Michael Dow. I mean, host, Michael Dow. Uh, still doing it with my... What? Sorry, a bit of truth came out of my mouth. I what? won't happen no. again. No, what did you say? Did you... Bless you? I what said, was that? I said egotist-in-chief. I'm not hungry. <laughs> Why are you making eggs? I'm in not. A, I'm making radio station. <laughs> and let go <laughs> let go my microphone um yes and uh so that was genre the producer who stuck with me um and with us tonight are uh bill newman the suave professional co-host of the talk the talk show on whmp and his probably not long-suffering producer danny torres <laughs> Uh, I, no comment. I have the right to remain silent. <laughs> That's been established. See, he was listening when we started. Yeah, exactly. I listened. I've learned. <laughs> Guys, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. A producer is long suffering. That's the that's the job. Ah, <laughs> okay. Uh, Preach. I'm yeah, with you. Every, 100%. Uh, yeah. The producer, like, if I'm a producer of a radio show, you say, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, uh, so before we get on to serious stuff, so Bill, does that mean you're also a compulsive narcissist? Because I mean, that's, that's <laughs> you know, I, I own it. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's what we in the law call a leading question. <laughs> I, I, I object. It's not cross examination. It's just an open ended, you know. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I thought I got permission to treat the witness as hostile, <laughs> <laughs> and you succeeded. <laughs> and and now your previously long-suffering producer is just got his head in his hands, going, "Oh my God, what has happened here?" <laughs> yeah, he always Jesus looks like that. Christ. Oh my At God, least around me, you know, uh, it could be aye, worse. Aye, his, aye. his 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 partner gets these weird twitches in their middle fingers when I'm around and talking for too long. It's strange. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yes. Hi. <Mike>. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Long running bit with me and genre. Are you though? <laughs> no, no, I'm not sorry. Um, <clears throat> but uh, we, we were, we were uh, talking about uh, what's going on with the Democrats and, and polity and, and so forth. And I'm was lamenting just, if there's one thing I like 2008, 2012 really gave me hope about the United States, it made me feel good about the United States as a country, as a as a polity. Um, and then 2016 happened and also 2020. And it's just, oh, actually, maybe this is the best we can do. Maybe maybe the reason Joe Biden's president is because like, yeah, that, that's as, as good as we can do. Maybe Hillary Clinton lost. um uh, well, I mean, she got m- way more votes, which should have decided the matter, obviously. But uh, maybe her defeat has as much tells us a lot about like how, you know, America. Th- there's a lot of people who actually are comfortable with racism and comfortable with sexism and comfortable with uh, the the ravages of uh, of poorly checked capitalism and uh yeah you know may- maybe just the best we can do is some half measure guy like joe biden that's as far left as a lot of people want to go i don't know what do you D- danny what do you think um is he as good is your question is he as good as we can get i mean ha- let me ask you a question sure do you think joe biden has accomplished a lot uh, of progressive policies it, given the very difficulty of navigating that legislation through Congress, both the House and the Senate. What do you think, Bill? Well, I have a uh, screaming uh, email or text exchange going on with a listener of our show mm-hmm. uh, saying, how dare you even, in so many words, how dare you even propose mm-hmm. that Biden has been a progressive in his legislative accomplishments? Whatever happened to the Green New Deal? which I said, well, wait a second. Some of the Green New Deal is tucked into the Inflation Reduction Act, one of the world's worst titles for a piece yeah. of legislation ever. Uh, and so this... I think we, it was uh, deliberately sandbagging it uh, or, or hiding things, you know, to let it get through. But yeah, go ahead. And it did get through. It was the greatest yeah. infrastructure bill passed in the history of the United States. Uh-huh. Um, and it has, it has a piece of the Green New Deal in it. And I think that Biden has accomplished more legislatively than anyone would have thought possible mm-hmm. given the construct of the Congress. Yeah. So give him credit for that. Politics is the art of the possible, not what is the, it's not the 
art of the uh, uh, enthusiastic uh, minorities and what can be uh, a headline for a day. Because if the left had its way in terms of what it would fight for in the Congress, there would have been no Inflation Reduction Act. It's a stupid name, but a good and important piece of legislation. Yeah, though I think also um, one thing about uh, President Biden's uh, his administration. Although, by the way, inflation reduction is something that people are really in favor of. So maybe it's not quite as bad a title as well, inflation reduction is actually not a bad thing. It's, it's no, it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's good to not have it's people. Boring. It it's is boring. boring. It is it is eat your broccoli. The eat your broccoli act for doesn't sure. sell. Again. No, I I agree. There there is an art to politicking as well. Green New Deal actually pretty darn good label, which I think is part of the reason why. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema were so eager to to get rid of it, you know, because they didn't want to they they wanted to please the hands that were feeding them. Um, And I think actually just one of the one of the lessons I took from this is like, oh, you know, uh, having an assembly of states that has equal power to an assembly representing the actual populace is a really bad idea. Because each state can be its own corrupt little fiefdom. And West Virginia is an excellent example of that, mm. um, just for one thing. And Arizona, uh, I, I remember I was out in Arizona back in 1995 for a little while because a friend of mine was uh, uh, pregnant and she wasn't sure if the dad was going to stay in the picture and there were other problems she had. And I was like, I'm just working at a friendlies. I can quit and go out there and help out for a few months. So I did. And I was struck by the big argument over the, um, the cap, the, the taking water from the Colorado River and uh, purifying it and using that in the drinking water in Tucson. And uh, there were complaints because it was uh, destroying the pipes in people's homes because it wasn't sufficiently clean to, uh, to, to, you know, it was like the same kind of problems that they later had in Flint. Mm-hmm. Um and I was just thinking, like, my God, the Republicans in this who are running this state are messing with the water supply of a major urban center in a desert. How stupid can you get? Well, stupid enough to pretty much can remain in power in that state for decades to come. So I guess the joke was on me. I don't know. Uh, it, it, maybe it's what P.T. Barnum was talking about when he said no one ever went broke by underestimating the American public. You know, I think I, I appreciate your being able to make some light of this. But that said, and all I'm a gadfly. <laughs> look at West Virginia for a moment, mm-hmm. because we were talking earlier in the show about uh, the Kennedy campaign and the Kennedy administration mm-hmm. and Kennedy won the Democratic nomination because he won West Virginia. Oh, really? And there was a time it was when a strong West union Virginia state. was yeah. a solid Democratic state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember I had, I was at a uh, restaurant in Northampton. This is, goes back some years now. And uh, Congressman Neal, probably not the, a favorite of your listening audience, but uh, Richard... My ne- actual congressman. Yeah. Richie Neal was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had been on our show mm-hmm. because back back when, long before the uh, Dan Torres, Danny Torres era mm-hmm. on WHMP, uh, 
Congressman Neal represented Northampton. Oh, really? Yes. And so he would come on the show. Mm. And I would talk to him, like to talk to him about the Irish Peace Accord. He had a lot mm. to say about it. So it's the, the shining, the shining uh, example of what someone actually can accomplish, leaving aside whatever your differences oh, in politics are The Good are about. Friday Accords, great achievement. It was Absolutely. a very great achievement. Anyway, we ended up talking about West Virginia, and he was absolutely ballistic about Donald Trump having carried West Virginia by 60, 65% to mm. 35%. He said, this was Kennedy country. He's, and I think he told me that as a very young man, he had been down in West Virginia uh, uh, canvassing for Kennedy in 1960. And I was just shocked when I said, wait a second, this Democratic state, solidly Democratic state, now went two-thirds or more for Donald Trump. What happened? And I think that it's kind of a microcosm. Looking at what happened there really tells you a lot about what has happened across the country. Mm. I, I, I don't disagree. And I, <clears throat> and it's a it's a longer it's a it's a more shocking trend when one considers, you know, why is there a state of West Virginia? Like his, historically, the reason it, it got carved out of Virginia is that was the section of Virginia that was most loyal to the Union during the Civil War. Yeah. They wanted to be their own state, so that, that's what happened. I mean, sorry. Go ahead, Danny. You were about no. to say. No. Uh, well, I had a, another question for you guys that I, I was curious. Since we talked about sure. since we talked about Bernie and Trump as mm-hmm. sort of populist, uh, anti-establishment-like figures in their respective mm-hmm. uh, parties, my question to all three of you is, why do you think it's happening in this moment now? I mean, that we're living in. I mean, why aren't we having, quote-unquote, more normal politics like we had in the 90s? Because our establishment is failing us. Uh, on what issues? On everything. Everything. I think. Well, pretty much everything. But uh, so I had the opportunity a few times in my life uh, before he passed to vote uh, for Ted Kennedy for Senate. Um, and I think the first time was, I think he was running in 88. So I think the first time was the very first election I got to vote in. Um but certainly whenever he got reelected after that and so forth. So two or three times. And uh, I kept sort of coming back to thinking like, God, you know, I really want to vote for the guy who did Chappaquiddick. Do I really, can I really feel comfortable voting for this guy, you know, with the, you know, lurid rumors about, you know, sexual misconduct. And, 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 and I just, I kept coming back to that, that, uh, that pithy summation by comedian Dennis Leary. He's a good senator, but a bad date. And I just thought, okay. Um, and and I thought, like, you know, this is a man who grew up with enormous uh, uh, wealth and influence and lots of advantages. And uh, he and his brothers sort of absorbed that lesson of, like, hey, you know, uh, when uh, the, the, I think a lesson they learned ultimately from someone like FDR or, or Teddy Roosevelt, you know, it's like, hey, you know, when you're born at the top, make sure that things aren't too bad for the people whose shoulders you're standing on. Because if you don't, sooner or later, they break out the guillotines. And, uh, you know, and, and 
I don't know, Bobby Kennedy certainly actually seemed to have an actual sense of compassion. Um, I don't know about his brothers, but, you know, and I, I just, and to me, I think that that motivates a lot of it. And if you look at what are the great crises facing us right now as a society, they're kind of inter intertwined, but uh, uh, disenfranchisement of people uh, through racism and sexism, you know, people want to control their own health care and their bodily autonomy. And, and like that's one part abortion rights and one part they can't afford health care and uh, their health care is tied to their jobs and good luck. You've got to hang on to that job tooth and nail. And uh, that's tied into wealth inequality. And the thing that generates wealth inequality is the way our, econo our global economy works. And that is exacerbating climate change and all of that. These are huge crises. They're intertwined. They're interconnected. We have to we, we can't address climate change, which is the thing that's going to most immediately kill us uh, without also looking at things like wealth inequality and how corporations work and so forth. And there's no leadership on that or not much. And Pre President Biden has pushed us further along along uh, along towards dealing with climate change than any president before him. And that's great. But, you know, it's like you've taken the first five steps and we have 10 miles to go kind of thing or something. So, so. Well, I think that the song that will become the new national anthem yeah. should, should I even, I, I make myself somewhat nauseated by saying this, but should Trump win this presidential election, the national anthem will become, you don't know what it's, Big yellow taxi. You don't know what you what you got till it's gone. Because, oh yeah, <laughs> because when Trump sticks it to the people who elect him, which is what all his policies will do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, uh, people will look back on Joe Biden really fondly. Mm -hmm. They will, um, because you know Trump is making a lot of headway in the polls because many people hate what Israel is doing in Gaza. I do too. And I do too. And I, I can't bring myself to send any money to the Biden campaign, you know? I yeah. sent him $2,000 in uh, 2020 and I, I can't send him a dime right now. I just, because he, he, you know. Biden he, gets blamed for what Netanyahu is doing, notwithstanding that he, uh, Biden, I think, actually, uh, personally, thinks what Netanyahu is doing is abhorrent. But he also came out right at the beginning and saying, we're standing shoulder to shoulder with Israel, thinking that would give him some leverage with Netanyahu. And Netanyahu said, thank you very much for the bombs. I'm going to do whatever I want. And in order for me to stay in power, I need a war. And I need a war that shows that I'm killing as many people as I can get away with to show that we are going to destroy Hamas, um, which, I, he's not, which he's not going to do. And just today. And Bi I, but Biden, get, well, Biden gets the blowback on that here. Right, exactly. Exactly, because just today... Um, Rightfully so. Yeah, well, just... Rightfully so, in my he, opinion. He could... Here's the thing. Uh, like, he could come out and say there should be a ceasefire. He could come out publicly, Yeah, and it, he hasn't. Right, that's... That's that's, that, that's what I mean. Uh, yeah, obviously, Israel isn't actually our puppet. They just... We th have a lot this of is, influence. This is the thing I, I'm, I'm going to turn down my mic so I don't so I don't peek right now but this is the thing I was talking about when we were before he has the opportunity to get the to get a lot of people behind him if he just says this is BS stop it 
we are not okay with this. Mm. You know, like he, they are not like uh, he. A lot of the countries are saying like we should have a two-state solution, and Netanyahu just said no, we're not going to do that. Yeah, today, just today, he just said. Just today, he said that Israel and, should control everything from the river to the sea. And the, and the um, the the thing is that a lot that of was people, Netanyahu. Netanyahu actually said that, those exact words. Oh, good. You know, yeah. like the that's the thing. Like it, it's it just it just seems like that they're they're doing a genocide with our with our equipment mm-hmm. and we can say like no don't do that and stop the equipment or we or but he's also like bombing yemen now you know like it's it, he's not he like when you talk when you're thinking about the politics of now when you're thinking about the politics of of where we are right now not in because in the 90s it was vastly different, which is really unfortunate. But like, when we're thinking about who we want to us to, who we want to lead us, someone like this that isn't very vocal about about what's going on, and he doesn't seem very vocal. He's making he's making statements and he's talking behind the scenes and everything. But it's it just like anything else, he's doing incrementalism when it's far too late. I have a slightly different take than I think you guys do. Um, I think well, Joe Biden. Mad, so no, I mean. no, it's I, and I understand <laughs> that. I think Joe Biden is making what he thinks is the best political calculation that he needs to make right now. And I think if you look at the polls, a lot of Americans feel like. Hamas is the problem. Forget the Palestinian question. It's mm-hmm. Hamas. And if you do a ceasefire, you legitimize Hamas. And until they get the hostages back, they don't care. Um, and I think that polls very strongly among Republicans, but I think we underestimate how well that polls among Democratic voters who will show up, which skew older, and have a at least a memory of their parents' talking about or remembering history of the 1930s in Europe. Sorry, the reason why I'm bringing all Mm, this up is mm. it all goes to me. I've been reading a lot about uh, the breakdown of democracy in Western Europe and what happened in Germany and in other countries, Austria, and uh, also Russia's involved in that. So there are many more variables, I think, that are being played in Joe Biden's hand. I think he is now trying to rein Netanyahu back. In my view, I don't think the Israeli care that much about what Joe will say because I think Israeli society has been pushed so far to the right politically, yeah. democratically, the right wing parties are winning and they're winning voters they traditionally did not win. Yeah. And so I think they've reached a point where they want the American protection, but they I believe they have enough money and power to exercise whatever power they want and they don't really care Could be. too much. About they care that Joe Biden was willing to protect them a little bit, but Could that's be. all they need. Yeah. Could that's be. my point. Well Bill. I, I think that first of all I, I think that what is happening in Gaza is just reprehensible. It's atrocious. I don't think it's genocide, but I do think it's massive killing of innocent civilians done without remorse. Mm. There is, I, I think it's inexcusable. And it's stupid because you, that's not how you're going to eradicate Hamas. By the way, the leadership isn't in Gaza. The leadership is in other uh, countries okay. uh, mm. in, the, in, in the region. And for every 
uh, Hamas leader who Israel manages to kill in one of those tunnels, you will, within a relatively short amount of time, breed 10 new leaders. So the sure. idea that he's going to eradicate Hamas it, it, is just wrong. It's it's a bad way and to accomplish stupid. It's a bad way to accomplish the stated goal, but I suspect they know that, and that's not actually their their real goal. No, because I don't think there is an end game. I don't think there is a goal here. No. Uh, I, no, I, I agree. It's like what, what the United States did with the war on terror and yep. Al Qaeda. It's it, oh, yeah. it regenerates and creates new cells throughout the world. And a topic we don't often talk about, but in West Africa. Uh, countries have coups have taken over countries there because yeah. uh, there are Qaeda affiliates that like are Iranian. Yeah, yeah. B- well, other groups. That's Nigeria uh, primarily, but there yeah. are regional groups that are now spreading. Uh, yeah, but there are groups that are transcending borders and destabilizing governments. So coups are happening. So mm. just telling you how how multi layered and how it transcends our borders. Um, these issues are. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> I hear the music. Okay. Well. Um, so I guess we're going to have to, to leave it there. Um, thank you very much to our special guests who joined us tonight. Uh, I kind of derailed us off of talking about some of the legal questions that I probably, we, we, we originally thought maybe we'd get to. For Phil. Next, next time. Yeah, please come back again. And uh, you can opine about uh, whether or not Mr. Trump might be able to run from a jail cell if he's actually convicted and if that actually happens. So I'll quickly tell you, I think he can legally. Oh. Eugene Debs. Right. Okay. Well, that would be interesting. Um, so, anyway, uh, thank you very much, uh, Bill Newman and Danny Torres, the uh, co-host and producer of Talk the Talk on WHMP, our uh, sister station across town. Well, not a sister station, but, you know, friendly local neighbor. neighbor. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Across town, thank you for joining us. Um, that's going to do it for Civil Politics tonight here on Valley Free Radio. Uh, Coming up next, uh, we've got a mix of music and then subculture, followed by table of contents at 10 and then OK Asia at midnight. Uh, Get a podcast of this going out sometime over the weekend and a repeat broadcast Mondays at 4. So listen to us all over again. That'll do it for now. Thanks for listening. Good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.